Hi, friends. Welcome back to the show. So glad that you've decided to join us once again. And by us, I mean me. It's me, Adam, here bringing you the stoner content that you love. And hey, if it's your first time checking out Hi, Friends, pause it right now. Stop this episode. Go back to episode one with Riley Kirk. Check out episode two with Charles McElroy, the founder of Goldleaf. And my last episode from two weeks ago is me and Dr. Cody Peterson talking about stonerisms. You've got to catch up before you get in on this episode. Speaking of this episode, on this episode, you're going to hear from my friend Ryan Sprague of the Highly Optimized Podcast. Check out the show notes below for all of Ryan's information and where you can find him. But it's a great conversation. I have a little something to say about it before we get to it. Oh, and that lighter sound means it's time for the bong rip. Toke them if you got them. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in, for real. It really is so encouraging when I hear from you guys, whether you're leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts app or anywhere else that you can do that for podcasting. By the way, that really helps grow the show. And it just helps me personally. Again, it's really encouraging whether I hear from you there, on Instagram, some of you are reaching out on Reddit. All the places that I am, you're somehow finding me and saying, hey, love the show, love what you're doing, keep it up. And honestly, as a small-time podcaster, content creator, hearing from you guys really does make all the difference. Like I said, today you're going to hear from my friend Ryan Sprague from the podcast Highly Optimized and another show called This One Time on Psychedelics. Check the show notes below for links to those shows. You actually heard Ryan last week if you listened to episode three with Dr. Cody Peterson. I included a snippet from this conversation last week where Ryan is explaining that his relationship with cannabis is much like the relationship between the male figure and female figure in a salsa dance. It's honestly one of my favorite ways that I have ever heard somebody talk about cannabis and how it does things for them. Like the female figure relies on the male figure of cannabis and we the users are the male figure and we direct the female and say, we have this, no matter what you do, we've got you, we're not going to drop you. And it allows the female figure represented by cannabis to then do what they do so well and do it with style. Unfortunately, my end of this conversation got deleted when, in the middle of recording it with Ryan, my power went out. It was the worst thing that has ever happened in a decade of podcasting. Okay, that may not be true, but it was pretty devastating. So what I have for you today is sort of a one-sided conversation from Ryan, where I will interject every now and then and kind of give the premise of what we were talking about and lead up into a sort of question, and then I'll play Ryan's answer. This is not what the show normally is, so if it is your first time, I apologize for something that's a little different and may seem a little off. I want to be respectful of Ryan's time because he took time out of his busy schedule to come talk to me. And while he's agreed to come back on the show, I don't want to waste the good stuff that was in our conversation here. So I need an episode, and I've got an episode, I've just got to piece it together. So bear with me, get the stuff out of this that you can, and enjoy the rest. The other thing that we're doing today is a new segment called The Opening Hit. The Opening Hit today is also going to be tied into a segment you've heard before called The High Friends High Concept Product Stash, where we take something that I love and I use in cannabis and put it into a stash where I say these are things that I approve of and you should use them too because they're awesome. So if you didn't smoke during the 
the intro when the bong light was happening? Pause it right now, get something together, because after this music that's starting right now, we're going to smoke together for the first time on the show. Alright, hope you're all set like me. I've got my bong here. I've got my tools that I need to use with my bong. And I do want to say, you know what, before, let's say again, this this segment is called the opening hit. Opening hit. What in the holy hell was that? Okay, um, yeah, so this is a segment where at the beginning of the show, at the opening of the show, we all smoke together. So it, it, that's why it's called the opening hit. Opening hit. Okay. All right, I think I, I just want to try something. Opening hit. Opening hit. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I figured it would be. So how is this tied back to the high friends, high concept product stash, you ask? Well, the reason it is tied back to that segment as well, and I'm not adding anything to the high concept product stash just yet, but the reason that that segment is coming up is because during this segment today, I'm going to be smoking out of a brand new bong that I really think may end up in the high concept product stash. So while I've been developing the show, I've talked with different companies about having them come on. And Honest is a company that I think is pretty cool. I've known about their products for a long time. I've just never owned one. And I talked to the company and said, I really want to talk to you guys on the show to talk about functional design. If you don't know, Honest is all about functional design products. And they were really excited to come on the show. And I kind of had to backpedal and say, well, I'm so sorry. I can't have you on the show immediately. I need some time to get some money together to buy some of your products so that we actually have something to talk about. They were kind enough to say, hey, let us just send you a box with the capsule, that's the bong, and some other stuff that you can check out. And that way, when we do come on, we'll be able to have a great conversation. So I've got my capsule ready. This is the bong from Honest. I'm not going to tell you too much about this bong, because if it does go into the high-concept product stash, I'll tell you all about it then. But it is a modular bong that I really much enjoy. I've used it so far with flour, but I'm a big bong user with cartridges. I'll use a battery and a cartridge, an adapter to get it into the bong. And let me tell you, there's just nothing better than ripping a huge cloud from a cart through a bong. And a big shout out to Billow Premium Cannabis for the GG4 cart that I'm using today with the capsule. It is so good. Hope that you've got something to go with you either a joint, a bong hit, something, a cart, whatever you've got, now's the time because it is time for the opening hit. Opening hit. Man. <clears throat> yeah. No, that is, man, that's really, really good. I've been using a lot of rosin cartridges lately, and every now and then I find that I just like to go back to a simple distillate cartridge. Not very often, but often enough that I keep one around, and Billow makes some great ones. They have distillate, but it has cannabis-derived terpenes added to it, so you get a lot of those great flavors from the terps and the effects from those terps in a little bit of a way. Gorilla Glue is pretty pungent, and so if you're sensitive in the nose, you may want to avoid that. I find it to be very pleasant, however. The taste, I would say, is like a thick chocolate, and that may make sense because I believe that one of the parents of Gorilla Glue is a chocolate diesel. 
Don't quote me on that. I'm not big on learning the lineages and all of the genealogy of plants and all of that. I have friends that are into that. I just, I don't care. Just let me know what the terps are. Let me know what other cannabinoids are in there. That's what I want to know. The other thing that I want to know is what were you smoking during this segment? I won't say it again, but what were you smoking during this segment? Was it through a bong? Did you have a cartridge? What was the strain? What were you doing? I want to know. I love this plant. I love what people choose to do, how they choose to use, all of that stuff. Come talk to me on Instagram. You can find me there at HiFriendsPod, or just check the show notes here, and you can click the link to take you straight there. Send me a message there, tell me what you were smoking, and let's start a conversation. Next up, here's Brian Sprague of the podcast Highly Optimized. You can also find him on that podcast one time on psychedelics or just check the show notes. Here's Ryan, and thanks for joining me on the opening hit. Opening hit. So Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on High Friends. It's really an honor to have you on here. Listeners, I first heard Ryan on a show called the Marcus Aubrey Podcast. If you haven't heard his episode there, you should definitely go listen to it, if not only to prepare for the next time he's on the show. But I first heard Ryan there, and it's so good. Just so you know, Ryan is kind of plugged into that woo-woo side of cannabis that we sometimes talk about. I'm not super plugged into it. Some of you are, I have heard. But I do think that there are a lot of good things to learn from somebody who is really plugged into that side of cannabis just about the intentional use. I've really enjoyed learning from Ryan. And Ryan, if you if you could just do me a favor, could you just introduce yourself to my audience the way that you would? Who are you? What do you do? Where do you come from? What's your background? Why do we care? Why are you on High Friends? I care. I'm glad you're on High Friends. But Ryan, how's it going? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, man. So, you know, my name is Ryan Sprague for everyone listening. I'm the owner of Highly Optimized, uh, which is really a company that's you know, based on helping people get their physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual bodies in alignment. And the main area and niche in which we focus is cannabis and uh, plant medicine as a whole, but really cannabis. And so, you know, I really got my start with, uh, we'll go into cannabis first. I got my start with cannabis at 16 when I was diagnosed with a generalized anxiety disorder and couldn't find anything else that helped. And the one thing that actually helped was cannabis. And this was a mini dark night of the soul for me because I had watched people around me use cannabis at that age and it never seemed uh, too exciting for me. You know, most people are just hanging out and being couch potatoes after. And so here I am having this mini dark night of the soul because now I love cannabis because it helps me feel more connected to myself and it helped me have the direct experience that I was not my thoughts. And that was really powerful at that age. And I wouldn't have used that language to describe it at that age, but looking back in hindsight, that's how I describe it now. And so I realized I wasn't anxiety. I was just simply experiencing anxiety. And like when you experience happiness or sadness or whatever, it could run its course so long as I actually dove into it and experienced it fully. And it's kind of like Joseph Campbell states, bliss is any emotion felt all the way through. And so after that, you know, like many people with cannabis, I didn't have any guidelines or frameworks to work with. So I didn't know how much to use, what kind I was getting. This is before, you know, legality here in Massachusetts. And so, you know, I was left wondering, like, am I using too much? Am I, am I using the right strains? Am I really like benefiting from this? Or am I hurting myself, you know, a little bit with it, you know, numbing out. And so, you know, a couple of years later, I start college, I get into school for psychology, because I was always fascinated with the mind. And, uh, you know, I woke up one morning and I started peeing blood 
I didn't know what happened. Uh, and that was like cue the mortality crisis uh, of your younger years that, you know, a lot of people talk about. And so it ended up just being a benign system, my kidney that broke open and it was no big deal, but it actually allowed me to start realizing like, wait a minute, why do I have benign cysts growing on my kidneys? And so at that point, I was like most 18 year olds. I was pretty unhealthy. I was drinking soda, you know, eating hot fries and Celeste pizzas. I mean, you name it, right? Sour Patch Kids and I were best friends. And so I started, you know, doing a lot of research into, uh, you know, health at that point. And I started working out doing P90X, shout out to Tony Horton. Uh, that guy saved a lot of my uh, life at that point. And so, you know, I started really getting in on it. And I started realizing like, wow, my choices in life really matter. And I can start to see a payoff, right? If I make these choices, then I feel better. And if I make other choices that maybe I don't feel good after, I jot that down and I'm like my own scientist for my life. And so my father, you know, was my main support system at this point in my life. My mother is amazing too. And, you know, but him and I were connecting around cannabis because my mom knew I interacted with cannabis for a while. And she was always very like, hey, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. You'll be fine. And so my father kind of took the Nancy Reagan approach. He just said no uh, most of his life. And he partied and did stuff like that. But at this stage of his life, he smoked cigarettes. You know, he ate steak and cheese subs. You know, that was kind of his day, you know. And so when I went to the hospital, he asked me, he's like, hey, I got to know, like, are you doing a lot of drugs or something? Like, why are you peeing blood? And I was like, no, I've never tried anything except a lot of cannabis. And so I saw him have a sigh of relief. And that was interesting to me because here was my father who I knew didn't like necessarily support cannabis or plant medicines or any of these things. But yet here he was having a sigh of relief when I told him I interacted with a lot of cannabis. So when I was at the hospital, I bring my laptop in because I knew I was going to be there for a little bit. And over the five days I was there, I started showing him a lot of the research that I had found around cannabis because I always felt the need to investigate what I was doing. And, you know, then in later years when I discovered human design and I have a one line as my unconscious number, I realized, oh, I'm the investigator. Yeah, I feel attacked. You know, no wonder I've gone through my whole life, like wanting to know everything about everything. And so I dove into it with him and, you know, to his credit, he had no cognitive dissonance. He just was like, wow, I guess I didn't know what I didn't know. And if you're fulfilling your responsibilities, you do what you love, you have a good path laid out for you in life, like, who am I to judge? And so, you know, at that point, I was still living with them. So he allowed me to start using cannabis in the house. So I didn't have to try to hide it anymore. And so him and I started the bond over this. He never interacted with cannabis at this point. Um, but he was just genuinely curious about, you know, what I was experiencing and wanted to get into my world and connect with me. And so uh, a couple of years later, or about a year later, I ended up uh, going to the Boston Freedom Rally which is a big public display of disobedience where everyone comes out onto the Boston Commons and they use cannabis and the cops don't bother you. So I'm there, I'm walking around and I hear this guy yelling, who wants to make butter with me? And so I go, that guy sounds cool. So I walk up to his little booth and he's handing out these pamphlets that he's opening a cannabis institute five minutes from where I live. Now, I didn't know about synchronicity at this point in my life, but again, looking back in hindsight, that was one of the strongest synchronicities I'd ever had because you know, I got to, this is 2011, right? So medical hadn't passed here. We had decrim. There was, there, you know, Colorado hadn't legalized. Nowhere had legalized yet. And so really, if I wanted to have a career in cannabis, it was like move to California, go to Oaksterdam, and then I don't know from there, right? So it was a pipe dream at that point. And so when this, when this, you know, institute came into my frame of reference, I started realizing like, I want to do this. And it was a heart pull, right? And again, at this point, I didn't know what these things are, but I was just feeling this feeling of like, I have to do this. And I was already in school for psychology, like I mentioned. And so I went home and I told my dad and being a broke college student, you know, keeping up with tuition, I was like, Hey, could you help me out with this? And he was like, yeah, of course. And he was like, I'll do one better. I'll go with you. 
because I want to learn about this stuff with you. So I was like, that's, that's cool. so cool. It was awesome. So here I am with my dad who's not smoking cannabis. I'm using a lot of cannabis and we're at this cannabis school. And, you know, he was really big on teaching me like, hey, if this is really what you want to do. Be the first one in, last one out, help them with everything, offer support wherever you can. So I was in the Boston Commons passing out flyers, vote yes on, I think it was two, you know, like doing the activism work. And it was really fun, you know, and, you know, the family there um, was really powerful. You know, it was here I was meeting all these people who, of course, a lot of my friends liked cannabis, but, you know, they just wanted to smoke blunts and hang out and play video games at that age. And here I was like meeting people who were like activists and wanted to get into this. And there was also this, yeah, there was this person there who was really big into holistic health. So at this point, I'm like not eating garbage anymore. I'm working out, but that was about it, right? It was a very left brain approach. And here she is eating sprouts out of a jar, um, you know, doing all this stuff. And I was like, this is really cool, drinking apple cider vinegar. And so I started to dive into that world at the same time. So these things are happening happening uh, synonymously and so or at the same time. And so a couple of years later, I'm still at the school. I end up interning for them, working for them. I'm learning about regenerative agriculture and the whole cultivation side. Um, Cause my father and I had started cultivating together once medical passed, you know, I coaxed him into it. You know, I was like, come on, dad, you need a good hobby. You know, your business That's is like so taking cool. up a lot of your life. Yeah. And so we tried growing before I went to the school and uh, you know, our first harvest was just terrible. And so when, you know, I brought him this offer, he was like, well, Hey, this is something you're interested in. You know, we, we bought this kit. It'd be nice if we could actually use it and you could save money on buying your cannabis. So, cause at that point he was paying for some of my cannabis too. So he was like, you know, he had an ulterior motive with that and I don't blame him. And so I get into the school, we start, you know, having much better grows and everything. And a couple of years into that, I go to electric Daisy carnival, Las Vegas and interact with MDMA the first time I'm now 23, if I remember correctly. And, uh, and so, you know, I had this really beautiful experience there. And I felt this pull to my father. I didn't know what it was, right? I figured I'm in Vegas. He was a gambler. Like he liked going to Mohegan Sun and these kind of casinos a couple times a year. And so I figured I chalked it up like, ah, oh, we went to some steakhouses. That's my dad and I's, you know, tradition. I went to the casino. I don't even gamble, but that was his thing. So I felt it was just that. So I get home and nine days after I get home, I find out that he got diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so this was a big shell shock moment for me. And I realized that I had no way in which to actually like understand how to move through this process. And he did not want to be seen as the sick guy, right? Like, you know, he was choosing electively to not take treatment because he had just gone through a three-year period where he brought his brother every week to Dana-Farber in Boston uh, for cancer. And he watched what chemo and radiation did to his brother. And it was just this long, slow, arduous death. And he was like, you know what? I don't want that. I want to go out the way that I want to go out with a full head of hair because he had a great head of hair, even at 65. And so I was like, okay. So I had an option in that moment. Moment, I could either love him for who he is and the choices he was making, or I could decide to try to make him into the version of you know him that I thought he should be. Because really, what was behind that? You know, the story of it shouldn't be happening this way. You know, it wasn't supposed to happen this way, but in reality, it was happening that way, right? So no matter how I tried to avoid it, the situation was happening. And so I ended up after a couple of weeks, he started experiencing some pain because I didn't know they only gave him two months to live at that point. He had small cell carcinoma that had spread to his brain and all throughout his body. And so, you know, I started realizing, okay, well, you know what, dad, if you're not going to take treatment, let me start giving you some RSO. And RSO for all your listeners, Rick Simpson oil. Uh, Rick Simpson is just a gentleman that brought this into the mainstream the uh, more scientific, if you will, name for it is full extract cannabis oil. And uh, you also might you know, know it as Phoenix Tears or Tears of a Phoenix. 
Exactly, exactly. And there's actually a really, uh, not to go down a rabbit hole, but if you guys look into Chris Bennett, uh, that guy believes that Jesus's anointing oil was actually basically a primitive form of RSO. And he has a lot of evidence to back it up. And there's a whole book that's 750 pages to dive into that. Um, but that's a cool little rabbit hole to dive into. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's super fun. And so I ended up giving him RSO. And of course, here's this guy that's really never interacted with cannabis. Now I'm giving him one of the most powerful forms of cannabis on the planet. And so I would sit with him during his sessions and make sure that he didn't have any questions and whatnot. And this is kind of the start of my cannabis coaching, I guess, back then. But, you know, I would sit with him and I got to hear stories from him that I never heard before. I got to watch him have closure with his grandchildren and his other children and my mother and his own mortality. And through that time, I really started realizing that although I thought I had figured cannabis out, you know, because it had helped me connect to myself, you know, so far back when I was 16, I'd realized that I didn't even start to, you know, really get on the crux of the full power of this plant, which is to bring people together and help people realize that we are so much more similar than we are different and also be able to connect on some pretty heavy subjects in a light manner, right? Like death is not easy to talk about when you love someone, but at the same time, you know, when you're able to talk about it in the light manner and have some laughter infused into it, you know, it makes it a little bit easier to handle and it makes it a little bit easier for you to like connect to the reality of what's going on. And so long story short, we end up prolonging his life an extra year past when the doctors had given him. I don't know, you know, there's no way to know if he would have had that year without cannabis. So I can't say objectively that cannabis gave him that year, but I truly feel that I got that extra year of my father as a result of cannabis and the connection that it gave him to himself, me and everyone in his life. And so after he passed, I ended up getting into the industry, working with over 5,000 medical patients on everything about holistic health and cannabis, because I, you know, they would come to me and they'd say, Oh, you know, I'm just smoking more and more cannabis. And I'm like, well, are you drinking water? Like how much are you sleeping? Are you using your phone close to bed? Right? So it was this cool holistic approach uh, to cannabis that a lot of, you know, bud tenders just didn't have. And so you know, I started uh, working with a lot of these people one on one as well, uh, because they were they were they were catching the thread. They were like, wow, you know, I actually feel a lot better from the recommendations you've been giving me aside from cannabis. And so at a certain point, a corporation took over our company. We were like a small family run dispensary and we had a really tight knit, you know, family there. And this corporation took oh, us over. Oh, I'm sure and, that went well then. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like any corporation, right? Like, you know, I still remember the guy The dude, this is this is a really funny story. I don't think I've told this on a podcast yet, this part. So for everyone listening, who's into any amount of spirituality or anything, right? And even plant medicines, right? Because like, why do most people interact with plant medicines at the core? It's because they're curious. And they start smelling some bullshit in society. And they start going, I need some answers, right? And whether or not they find the answers, they're they're curious and they're on a quest. And so here we are, this tight-knit dispensary of people who were truly passionate about this plant. And this new company comes in, and I still remember this, clear as day, I'm behind the register. There's like this um, uh, area where all the registers are. And so we're all back there, like all the front-end team. And this guy comes in the door uh, that goes to the back of the building, and he's wearing khakis, immediate red flag, right? Because I'm just like, you know, Whenever I see khakis in an office building, I'm like, oh, this is just reminding me of like my training as a therapist. And that's, you know, when I got into cannabis, I realized I didn't want to wear khakis my whole life. So first red flag. And so he comes in and immediately he just starts giving the spiel of like, we love you guys. You know, we think your experience is invaluable. And, you know, trust me, nothing's going to change when we take over. And immediately all of us are looking at each other like, do you smell something? Because I smell bullshit. Right. And so. Of course, as soon as they take over, they start firing everyone. They tell us that we all need to be rehired uh, under their system. Now, first of all, 
not to get down a rabbit hole, but none of these people at this company had ever worked in cannabis. They were all that guy that I was talking about was from Home Depot, right? So you can imagine Home Depot energy coming into a dispensary, very strange, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so, you know, it was like no judgment, but you know, when the people moving into this dispensary are more worried about their yachts than actually cannabis as a medicine, I knew it was time to get out of there. And so in 2019, I went through a big uh, awakening actually out in Las Vegas. Again, I don't know what it is about this place, but I went through a big awakening when I went to a cannabis convention uh, to find investors and do things my own way. And all I found was more of essentially the suit and tie game out there. And so I realized, okay, um, you know, this is going to be uh, challenging because I thought that I was going to spend the rest of my life in this industry. And now what am I going to do? And so it was a great opportunity. I started highly optimized, didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but I ended up taking a three month break from cannabis because in this MDMA uh, experience I had in Las Vegas, I realized through a series of events, which we can dive into if you want, that I was still on using cannabis unconsciously. And I was only interacting with it once per night. I was following all the quantitative rules of, you know, okay, I'm not using it all day. I'm using a vaporizer. I'm got my four doctors and six foundation principles from Paul check system in order. And so I ended up realizing I was still interacting with it unconsciously, went through another dark night of the soul and identity crisis took three months off. And what I realized was that I was comforting myself with the feminine energy of cannabis so that I didn't feel the need to make a change because I was scared of the feeling of like, what do I do? Like, I feel like I want to leave this dispensary, but I don't know my next step. And the trap I fell into was thinking that I would know the next step before I took it. When in reality, you feel the next step before you take it. And so I ended up just feeling like I wanted to start a podcast and I wanted to start getting into something. So I started the podcast, the highly optimized podcast. And a couple months later, uh, as I was pouring my heart out on Facebook daily, just like talking about whatever was in my heart, I tagged this guy, Mark England, who I'd heard on the podcast three years before. He reaches out to me a half hour later, tells me we should hop on a call. I hop on a call with him. He starts telling me about his program, which is training coaches to do like essentially language work and story work. And so I didn't know what he meant by being a coach, but I just felt the need to say yes. And so I said, yes, signed up for the program. A month later, the pandemic hits. I had all the time in the world. Now I quit the job. And, uh, and the rest is really history. I mean, I got into coaching, um, you know, started going around and meeting all these amazing coaches and really said yes to my heart for two years during the pandemic and just traveled constantly, met all these amazing people. And, you know, I'm trying to learn coaching and business and marketing for them. And they're just trying to learn cannabis stuff from me. And they're like, yeah, you know, I can tell you about business, but tell me more about cannabis. And so I had the clues all along, but it took me about two years to finally actually start realizing like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. And so, uh, in that time, the connect with cannabis program was born. And the rest is history. Man, I love hearing that. I love hearing that people are connecting with you about one thing, but then finding that cannabis is maybe the thing that they are meant to be connecting with you about. And I love that you're just in a in a position and in the stream that you need to be in to help these people. What I'm kind of curious about, though, is as these people come to you, and I imagine there's a lot of people coming to you about cannabis, not just the people you've talked about so far, but do you find that sometimes these people, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Do you get worried about some of these people may, maybe being like addicted to this? Or maybe it's better to say it like, do these people come to you and say, hey, I'm using this way and it's helping so much, but I'm afraid that I'm addicted because of how much I'm using. And then another thing that I run into with people oftentimes is they will say, well, you're saying that cannabis does all these great things for you and you say it radically changed your life but for me it does nothing or for me it's just a negative anxiety ridden experience or whatever and it's very hard for people to accept that well maybe this just isn't the medicine for you 100 you know i think that nothing is for everybody 
but certain things are for somebody. And so I think that cannabis is just one river out of infinite different rivers, whether you're meditating, breath work, exercise, whatever it is, right, that can lead you back to the same sea. And that same sea being like, I am in my power, right? I have the power to change my life. I believe that I can change my life. And I think that one of the other things it does, and one of the ways I work with it is with a system called IFS, internal family structure. So we've all heard of the idea that we have these people in society that have multiple personality disorder. Well, I got news for you guys. Everyone's got multiple personalities. It's just the people that get diagnosed with multiple personality disorder, their personalities are farther apart from one another. So you can more accurately notice when they're in one personality versus another one right? But we all have these voices in our head, right? One, you know, for instance, could be anxiety telling you like, oh, the world's not safe, right? The other one's like, the world's totally safe, right? But at the end of the day, they're both trying to protect you, right? To use this example, like the one that thinks the world's not safe wants you to make sure that it doesn't get hurt. You don't get hurt. The one that wants to believe the world is safe wants you to be able to like not get hurt and feel like life is awesome, right? So they're both going on the same way. But until we actually, and you don't have to have cannabis to do this, but I found it very exciting to do it with cannabis because, it can be training wheels in a way, right? Like it's really hard for a lot of us in the modern day society we live in to have the space to go to a 10 day Vipassana retreat, to go meditate in a monk, you know, monastery for 10 years, right? Like we don't have that type of time left if we're going to actually save the world. And Daniel McQueen talks about this a lot in psychedelic cannabis. The reason that we feel that, you know, people like him and I, and you, I imagine as well, feel as though cannabis is so powerful is not only because of the power it has, but because of how quickly it can radically shift your life. If you realize that it's not cannabis shifting your life, it's it helping you do your own work to shift your life. And so like, I think that's where like, I would say right off the bat, you're not an addict because you're saying that you're doing the work to actually take what you learn in these PEAK experiences, these grandiose experiences with cannabis and start infusing them into your life. So you can have PEK peak experiences where your normal sober reality starts exhibiting the same magic that you feel in your cannabis and other psychedelic experiences. That is the definition of a conscious relationship with anything, right? Like if you're going to work out, let's just say for a random example, it doesn't include plant medicines. If you're going to work out and you're going there and you're hitting the reps and your elbows are hurting and you're not having the right form, and then you just go home and you're like, I don't know why I'm hurting, right? Versus you go to the gym, you start noticing like, ooh, that move hurts. Okay, I'm going to go to a physical therapist and figure out what's going on there. And the physical therapist is like, oh, you have the wrong form. And you're like, okay, let me take that form, go back to the gym. Oh, now that doesn't hurt anymore, right? So that's the same way of being able to actually like do the work in your own life to make your experience of life greater and grander. And the reason this is all of our duty and responsibility is that none of us are the same, right? We, we are the same, but we're very different. And that is the whole idea of having the ego, which allows this illusion of separation. That's why we're here to have this big experiment. And so each of us has unique magic that not everyone's going to resonate with, but certain people are going to eat it up. And the people that eat it up, our magic is going to help them turn their own magic on. And then those people will find people that resonate and people that don't resonate. So if we're all preaching the same things, right? Like one religion, one plant medicine, et cetera, whatever it is, then we're not going to be able to reach as many people as it's going to take to make a radical shift in the world. Because when you look at the world right now, we're not in a loneliness epidemic. We're in a lack of connection epidemic. Loneliness is the result of the inability to connect. And the fact that we think that we're so different because of the color of our skin, what gender we believe we are, all of these kind of things, like those things don't make us different. They actually, that's the beauty of life. We don't all want to be the same. It would make life very boring. And so I'm the first one to say that like, if you're someone, I imagine not on this podcast, but if you're someone listening to this who doesn't like cannabis, doesn't resonate with it, go find your own thing, right? Cannabis isn't the only thing that can do this. But for certain people, it is the exact thing 
that can wake them up to these types of realizations. And sometimes it's the only thing that can wake some people up to these types of realizations. It's sometimes it takes this specific thing for somebody to just open their eyes and realize, oh, I have purposefully been blind to this for so long. And, you know, part of that is just the intricacies of the endocannabinoid system. And, and maybe somebody's never had a good built up endocannabinoid system. Maybe they have a deficiency of endocannabinoids. And so they try cannabis for the first time. And honestly, they feel normal. Like they, they just couldn't see these things before. And it took cannabis to actually do that. Yeah, man. It's like, you know, everyone is different. And that's why I'm the first one to say that people are like, how often should I interact with cannabis? I'm like, I don't know. I can tell you what works for me, but I'm not going to go out there and state that I have the only way. And this is the way that everyone needs to do it. Because I think that's one of the main challenges with life is that people, you know, take their own subjective experience of life and try to make it objective in nature. I mean, when you look at like, I mean, God, if you go on Facebook or social media, what are people wasting their energy on? They're trying to convince other people that they're right and they're wrong, right? And at the end of the day, what if you're neither right nor wrong, but you're just in the experience that works for you in life? You know, it's like, there's this third option that I think a lot of people don't really talk about enough. And I think that, you know, to, to take the endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome, bring it onto a scientific level, you know, there's this gentleman who I interviewed, I can connect you with him if you haven't already uh, interviewed him, this guy, Len May, who runs this company, EndoHealth USA, I believe that's the name of it. Uh, and he actually offers genetic testing to see if you're predisposed to things like schizophrenia, psychosis, but also to see what your natural endocannabinoid amount is. And so you can actually see quantitatively, which again, we live in a scientific materialism world right now. So science is the bridge that can help people a lot of the time. And so this is one of the things we offer in the course, right? It's like, hey, actually get your genetics tested to figure out like, are you a fast or slow metabolizer for THC? That will tell you why you might have a lot of edible stories or why edibles just don't hit you ever, right? And so like, there are these things that now like, we can take science and actually use it to support the spiritual side, to support like a healthy conscious relationship with cannabis or whatever else is out there in the world. But I think a lot of spiritual people talk down in science, a lot of science people talk down in spirituality, failing to realize that they're two sides of the same coin. You know, that's really interesting. My guest from last week, Dr. Cody Peterson, he talked a little bit about genetic testing for endocannabinoid system and just kind of like to get a baseline of who you are and where you're at. But he also suggested that it may not be the be all end all that some people think it is because he said that your endocannabinoid system changes every day based on what you're doing, like how you're moving, are you resting, what you're eating, all these different kinds of things. So I am interested in the genetic testing of it all, but I'm also a Aware of the fact that it may not be what everybody thinks it is. I also think that there's something to be said for, you know, if you say something or if you think something enough, it's probably going to be the case. 100%. And I have a funny analogy I'll say in a second, but to that degree, I would say that, you know, it really works on epigenetics, right? So he's doing a genome test to see like what genes are currently turned on and how they're uh, reciprocating or, you know, playing in your relationship with cannabis. But we know through Bruce Lipton's research with epigenetics that it's not like if you have a family member that had cancer that you're going to get the same cancer unless you believe that you're going to, because then that's going to turn that gene on specifically. And so if you have these genes that are turned on or these low amounts of endocannabinoids, that's when it gets into like what I would call like uh, the other self-development world where you can dive into like, okay, what if I repeat mantras to myself daily as one exercise that my endocannabinoid system is rife with endocannabinoids, right? Like who knows what work? I don't know the objective answer, but I can tell you my own experience of like how I've been able to use words and language and stories and all of these things to actually change my reality. And I think that the analogy of science and spirituality is, you know, the universe speaks to me in hilarious analogies. 
That's how I know the universe has a sense of humor. And so the immediate thing that came to me was if you've seen Cobra Kai, right? Johnny and uh, uh, the other guy, I forget it, Daniel, right? So Johnny and Daniel, they're the same person, right? But they think they're so different. But what ends up happening as Cobra Kai goes on, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for anyone who hasn't watched it, is they actually start realizing we need to work together to defeat the same common enemy, right? Which is Kreese. And so they actually start realizing like, you know, there's all these scenes where the whole show is flirting with this, right? Where like, you know, they'll have little interactions with the same and then they'll have bigger ones where like they go to the bar or they meet at the bar randomly and they start getting drunk and they like the same beer and they like the same music and they're like, what, what, what the hell's going on? And then they like, they're like, no, we're still different. But like, I think that's what's happening in society right now. And I think that's what a lot of these shows, not to go down another rabbit hole, are actually showing us is that like, guys, we're so much more similar. We're all souls having a human experience here. And regardless of what meat suit we're in and what color our skin is and like what gender we are, like we need to come together to, you know, face a common enemy, which is extinction, you know? And so I think that like, you know, with regards to cannabis, you know, when you look at people like Bob Marley, like you realize that like, you know, it's not that cannabis made Bob Marley who he was, but it was a big component of it. And it's not just cannabis, it's the culture, it's Rastafarianism, it's all those things. But it's the common theme of cannabis being able to bring you to a softer side of yourself, to be able to actually go, hey, you know, I might not agree with your point, but like, let's talk about it. Why do you believe what you believe? And you're not so worried about being right. And so like, that was a huge thing for me. Like I said, in the beginning, you know, having that one line in my human design, for instance, I started realizing that like, when I really realized that I had that, I started realizing that when I was younger, I was so convinced that metal music was better than rap. And I remember having arguments for hours with my friends, right? And then like, looking back at them, I'm like, well, hey, if they like rap and I like metal, like, that's awesome. Who cares who's right? You know, like, it's not that one's objectively better because everything is subjective in nature. I mean, there is no objective reality. There's a great book for anyone listening who wants to dive deep down the rabbit hole and have science to support it uh, called The Quantum Revelation by Paul Levy. Unbelievable. If you want to dive more into this, no objective reality thing. I won't dive into it super big here, but these are the things that come forth. I mean, they have come forth for me anyway on cannabis and some other plant medicines too. But cannabis is my ultimate aid and ally in life because it's the number one plant that I can go just beyond my normal level of consciousness. So I still have both my feet planted on the ground. And when I get a download, I can take immediate action to integrate it. So the example I give a lot is, you know, if you're on a five gram dose of mushrooms and you get a download, maybe your intention was you had a creative block and you get this download that you want to paint. Well, it's going to be really hard to try to figure out how to open your phone, sign up for a paint class and get that actually integrated. But with cannabis, say you have the same intention, I'm experiencing a creative block, you go into that realm, you, you get the download of like, oh my God, I want to paint. You could literally go on your phone right then, set up from your experience, go on there, sign up for a paint class, you know, buy a paint kit and then go back into your experience and you've already integrated, right? So I say that like in a busy world, you can integrate on the go, right? Who's got more time to do all these things and remember all this stuff, right? Cannabis is the people's plant. That's why I believe it is. You know, it, it's also a plant that forces some people who otherwise can't slow down to slow down to do those things. And it's awesome. It's wild. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's the best. I love cannabis because it do, that's one of the things that it does. It, it, I am somebody who very often, I like hiking, for example, it's, it's very true for me that when I go hiking, I want to get to the end as fast as I can because I want to feel like I accomplished something. And the something that I set out to do that day was hiking. 
cannabis actually forces me to just go a little slower and take time to notice things and to experience the actual hike and not just the hike, but the things that make up the hike, the plants, the, the trail, the animals that you might see, the air, the wind, the, the weather. It's not just about the top of the hike. It is the journey. And I know that sounds so cliche and kind of duh, but it is about the journey. And what I love about cannabis is that it forces me to think and recognize the journey. Ryan, part of the reason that I brought you here and we've kind of touched on it throughout this whole thing is that you are kind of plugged into what I lovingly say the woo-woo side of cannabis. And I wanted to maybe just bring you on and and maybe lightly start touching on that. And again, we have, and, and but now now just with more focus that, that we're kind of talking about this kind of spiritual new agey woo-woo side of cannabis, could you just intro a, me and the listeners to, to that and, and what you do? Yeah, absolutely, man. So, you know, I think that, you know, the cool thing is that we're not inventing this stuff, right? Like if you look into indigenous cultures, like, this is not new. This is more of a remembering, you know, and of course, like we might do it in different ways. We might have different exercises we do with it. But like the way that cannabis has been viewed as a spiritual aid and ally is not a new thing. It's just a uh, remembering. And if you look into for anyone listening, you can dive into uh, Stephen Gray's work with cannabis and spirituality. I'm actually getting him on tomorrow. Uh, Daniel McQueen's work with psychedelic cannabis. Uh, you can look into um, this guy, I forget his first name, but his last name is Farber with High Magic. I mean, this is nothing new. And so at the same time, you know, I, like you, when I got into viewing cannabis as a spiritual plant, you know, about 10 years ago, after specifically after my father's, uh, you know, instances with cancer, you know, I started having these downloads and started experiencing cannabis in a new way. And I think that, you know, what we're really tapping into here is something a little bit deeper than just cannabis, which is the idea that we are the creators of our own reality. And, you know, I'm an initiate of the modern mystery school and training the lineage of King Solomon. And, you know, with every mystical guru, whether it be Ramdas, whether it be, you know, uh, the self-realization fellowship with Yogananda, you know, whether it be mystery school, whether it be anything, right? Like all of these principles are pointing back to the same universal truth, which is we are much more powerful than we give ourselves credit for, or that we've been told we are. And so, I think like in order to understand or experience cannabis as a spiritual aid and ally, you first have to at least experience the curiosity of wondering if it can act like that in your life. Because again, the way that I, you know, talk about cannabis is that it's a feminine plant. So being is how it's a feminine plant. And it's a very soft feminine plant too. Unlike something like ayahuasca, it's not going to give you more than you're ready to receive unless you make a grave mistake of eating a very strong edible or something, right? Like, or smoke a whole joint when you don't have a tolerance. And so like, if someone is used to interacting with cannabis and this kind of conversation, they're like, I don't know, I've never experienced it like that. Well, it might be first because you've never considered the possibility that there's more never cannabis tried. than what you know. Yeah. And if you're using cannabis every single day, like I did this for 10 years, right? And I've had many, many clients that have done the same thing. Well, if you interact with something every day, you don't even know what you really love about it anymore because it's part of your daily habit, right? So like, for instance, you know, if you have a partner, a romantic partner, and you guys live together and, you know, you wake up the same time every day, you know, maybe she makes you breakfast, same things every day. You know, she gives you the same kiss goodbye before you go to work or whatever, right? And you get into that routine. And then all of a sudden that partner leaves to go on an epic retreat or something cool for a month. Well, you're going to start noticing all the things you miss about them. And this is the idea of absence making the heart grow fonder. And so I think for a lot of people listening, you know, how we can bridge the gap is, 
you know, number one, taking a weekly dieta is extremely uh, important if you look to, to preserve the transcendental and spiritual properties of the plant. If you look into indigenous cultures, they're normally not interacting with it every day if they're looking for the plant to be transcendental and spiritual. Does not mean that interacting with it every day is a wrong thing to do. Everyone gets to figure out their own system for it. But what I found in my own life is that that is one thing that can bridge the gap and allow people to start seeing a very different side of cannabis without having to get super into the woo-woo. Just take three days off and then interact with it and see what happens. Now, if you wanna add the idea of intention into that, so you take your three days off, you come back and you make an intention. And that could be as simple as just, I wanna experience happiness like it's the first time that I've ever experienced it. I have a creative block and I want to figure out what might be blocking me or stopping me, right? It can be very simple. It could be as complex as I want to become an infinite star seed and soar to the nebula galaxy or the Akashic record. You can get super woo woo with it, right? But it can yeah. be very simple. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost with intention is they hear it in this very spiritual context of like the infinite star seed way. And that's fine, right? Like some people, like I like exploring those things, but I think that a lot of people just aren't there yet. They just want to experience happiness. They want to figure out what the next step is for them. This plan is here to help us. You know, like it's here to give us uh, assistance in our life when we ask for it, but we have to ask for it. You know, it doesn't know what we want before we ask for it. <laughs> yeah, I love that because it ties right back into really what every episode of the show so far has been about, which is just intention, intentional use of cannabis. And and so I, I really like that, you know, this little bit of dipping our toes into the woo-woo today, it's really just been about intention. And so Ryan, thank you so much for being willing to come on and talk about that with us and and just coming on high friends at all because honestly i like i said at the top of the show when i first heard you on aubrey marcus's podcast i just knew i had to have a conversation with you so again thank you so much and ryan if you want if you've got anything to plug do, like let my listeners know where can they find you yeah man so thank you so much for allowing me to come on man this has been an amazing opportunity shout out to the mighty i have one of those two man stores in bickle man best company ever you know it's it's funny like every single one of my friends is a volcano you know, and you know, I just, I never, I don't know if they ever imagined that it would get this way, but I just want to send them a thank you letter one day and be like, I don't know if you know what you started, but like, thank you because every vaporizer on the market always is like frustrating, except the volcano, the mighty, the crafty in their line. I don't want to, I don't want to shit on any other brands, but yeah. I will say I have owned several other dryer vapes and there's nothing that compares to, if you want the portability and, and stuff that's actually going to work, get a mighty. Oh, it's the best, man. And uh, so where you can find me, Instagram is the best place to reach me directly at the real Ryan Sprague. My last name is S-P-R-A-G-U-E. That's my personal account. Hop in there. As you guys can tell, I love chatting. That's why I have two podcasts and coach and all this stuff. Um, and then my business account is at highly.optimized. So if you're curious to learn more cannabis tips and more, you know, things that we do, hop on there. And then we have the free Facebook group, the Ceremony Circle, super fun community of like-minded individuals who are passionate about cannabis, who are asking questions, you know, who are uh, excited to learn. And so I'm in there every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern doing a live where essentially I'll give a little spiel of what's on my mind. And then I open it up for questions and you can ask me anything you want. And it's a really cool, like off the cuff podcast is really how I see it happening. And then if someone's interested to dive into my world, uh, the Conscious Cannabis Guide is a free PDF that I'll link you for the show notes that people can download and get a little taste of what we do in the Connect with Cannabis program. If you are interested in the Connect with Cannabis program or the new program that we're almost finished building, the Grow with Cannabis program, which is all about cultivating cannabis, uh, you can dive in and jump on a discovery call in the link in my bio on Instagram. And then I have two podcasts as well. Uh, the Highly Optimized podcast, which showcases conscious leaders living a life beat of their own drum, and the This One Time on Psychedelics 
Thoughts podcast, which is a blast. So much fun. I get to interview people based on their psychedelic experiences and who they've become as a result of them. And so those are the places you can find me. You know, I'm pretty accessible and I'm always looking to chat. So if you resonated with this, please reach out. Hey, look at that, an episode that's under 50 minutes for once, maybe. Depends on how long this takes me, right? You know what? For, for a show that I had to piece together from a conversation that got screwed up because of a power outage, pretty good show. Pretty good show, I must say. And on the next episode in two weeks, we release every other Sunday, I've got Mason Palmer of the company called Honest. That is the bong that I used in the opening hit. What? Okay, what? Is that, that's just gonna, okay, every time we do that segment or mention that segment, that's gonna happen? Okay, that's, that's, that's just the plight we live, guys. Okay, well, Mason is part of that company called Honest that makes that bong I used on today's show when I did the opening segment of the show. So we're gonna talk about that bong and everything else that Honest is doing in cannabis. Okay, that's it. We, under, under 50 minutes, officially, right now. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. I'll catch you later. Hi Friends is a production of Mortarbox Media. So, are you going to be here every time that we do that? The opening hit? Oh yeah, you're stuck with me, pal. Hey, could I use your bathroom quick? Um, sure. Great. Thank you.